1: Welcome to the RotoWire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, February 1st. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Alex, we are just a week, uh, just over a week away, I should say, from the NBA trade deadline. That is Thursday, February 9th. Uh, very much anticipating that. As of right now, we, we basically just have the Rui Hachimura deal, which doesn't feel nearly big enough. I, I think we're going to see quite a bit of movement uh, over the next eight days, uh, but we'll, we'll have that all covered on RotoWire.com. Make sure you check everything out. Uh, over there, rotowire.com slash free to, to, to see all of our paywalled content. Uh, Alex, we're, we're going to hit a couple of news items. We're going to talk a little bit about some guys who could be either on the move at the trade deadline or players who you should be prepared to buy or sell in fantasy after the trade deadline. Uh, and then after that, we will do a quick zoom through the Eastern Conference. We'll hit all 15 teams. We'll do about two or three minutes per team. and Then we'll be out of here. We'll be back with the Western Conference on Thursday. Uh, what are the biggest news items that we need to get to today?
2: Biggest news items. Well, we got Tyrese Halliburton, uh, is expected to play on Thursday and Devin Booker is now officially day to day. Um, and of course the, the Pistons wizards game has been postponed, uh, due to flight related issues. (laughs)
1: I did see that. Yeah. That was a, it's, it's always kind of a panic. Like I, I get PTSD to the COVID days when it felt like we were having games postponed, oh, man. what three, four or five games a week for a while. Yeah. And for us, that just creates uh kind of a nightmare on the back end as far as, you know, getting all that sorted out for, for RotoWire and for our partner sites. Uh, but at this point we have it down to a science, but it, it just hasn't happened in so long. And we didn't really know, you know, whether COVID would be any sort of factor this season. It really hasn't been for the most part, but, yeah. Ice storms uh, hitting, hitting the, the the Dallas area that are apparently keeping the Pistons uh, from playing that game, but not really a big deal. Honestly, don't, don't really care about the, the Detroit Pistons right now. <laughs> um, we got seven other games other or yeah. What? No, eight other games, excuse me, on the the Wednesday night slate tonight. Uh, you're going to be on the radio with us uh, on Sirius XM later tonight. So if you're here in this pod and you, you want to hear more of Alex, make sure. Uh, you tune into Sirius XM fantasy. We'll be talking about some of those later games, uh, but you mentioned it, Hal Burton, Booker. That's the big injury news. Uh, I, I just did see a note uh, come through that, you know, the Lakers issued their normal injury report. LeBron's questionable for tomorrow. Anthony Davis, probable Patrick Beverly also probable should get him back. Um, I, I, I think Anthony Davis has looked really good since he's come back. You know, they, they limited him the first two games. He came off the bench, but Started last night against the Knicks, played 37 minutes in a game that went to OT, uh, put up 27 and nine with two steals, did have five turnovers, you know, looked like he was kind of favoring his, his leg a little bit uh, late in the game. But, um, you know, for the most part, I I think we're, we're looking at maybe another one or two games for him to ramp up. And then he's probably back to being a, a borderline top five, top 10 fantasy guy. Yeah, I think so. I
2: mean, he, it is in his first game back, he only played 26 minutes. He had a huge game. I don't know how much stock we can put in that since it was against the Spurs and the Spurs are in a complete free fall right now. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Davis is bound to have a big game sooner than later, a bigger game. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think the, the main thing for me that I like to see is that he's been getting to the free throw line a good amount, seven attempts in that first game in 26 minutes and against the Knicks. Yes. It went to overtime, but nine for 11 from the free throw line. That's really nice. Um, two steals as well. So yeah, I think he'll be, I I think we'll have a pretty big Anthony Davis game soon.
1: Yeah. And I I said borderline top five or 10, because I'm just expecting a a little bit of natural regression. Yeah. I I don't know if it's realistic for Davis to come back and just be the number one guy in in eight or nine cat, like he was before the injury. Um, But a, a big part of that, like you said, is the increase in free throw attempts prior to the injury. He was averaging eight free throw attempts per game. That's up from six last year. Uh, under six, two seasons ago was at eight and a half uh, the year that the Lakers won the title in the bubble. So you know, we're, we're seeing the the three point volume decrease quite a bit for Davis. He's down to 1.4 attempts per game. Thank goodness. He's only shooting like 28% from three. Uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's been aggressive. Like when he's been out there, I think this is exactly the Anthony Davis that Lakers fans have been clamoring for. Right.
2: If you're going to play him at center, I think you should have him play more like a center, and that's clearly where his strengths are, right? Like he's just not, not a great shooter, although he's been good from the free throw line. So just get there as much as possible. Um, you know, he's too he's too big to to deal with on the offensive glass. So, and you know, you, I mean, the trade for Rui Hachimura to me just cements like we want AD at center. Like we can't we can't do this. You know, we can't be like starting Thomas Bryant and then have AD as a four. It's like no, we gotta go AD at the five because we're at risk of, I mean, we're fighting for the playoffs at this point. And so we got to get serious with our lineup.
1: All right. We'll touch on the Lakers more tomorrow when we run through the Western conference, but let's, uh, let's start with the East. And as we did last time, we will go in order of standings. Uh, Let's go top to bottom this time. So uh, you got the, the odd number teams in terms of the standings. I got the evens. That means you are kicking us off with the 36 and 15 Boston Celtics.
2: Yeah, the Celtics, they're three and three over the past two weeks, but Marcus Smart has been dealing with an injury. He's missed the past four games. So not too surprising that, you know, they're they're on a little bit of a slide, um, given that, you know, he's such a talented defender. Um, you know, Al Horford and and Robert Williams continue to deal with sort of, you know, that they don't play a lot. They're on back to backs, one of them is gonna miss one of the games and the other one's gonna miss the other game. But Tatum and Brown, they've been doing their thing. Brogdon has played really good lately in the absence uh, of Marcus Smart, as has Derek White. So they're cruising a little bit, you know, 500 over the past two weeks. I'm not really that concerned. They're just, they're, they're such a definitive number one at this point. I mean, Milwaukee's creeping back up, Philly's creeping up, but they just feel so stable right now.
1: Yeah, no real notes for me. I mean, they, they are 20th in offense over the last 10 games, which is mildly concerning, but they're they're still putting up good numbers. It's just, you have like a a whole cluster of teams that are over 120 in terms of offensive rating of late, uh, defensively, they've been a top five team over the last 10. And, you know, they're, they're still way up there in terms of net rating. Uh, you mentioned Malcolm Brogdon. I, I feel like we just haven't heard anything about Brogdon, which is probably a good thing. That means that he has not really been hurt all that much. He's one of those guys who you're always kind of waiting for that nagging injury to come, but uh, he has played more minutes of late with, with Marcus smart out, you know, last, last six games, he's averaging almost 34 minutes per game. He's putting up 25 and three. Uh, but I, I do think overall he's benefited massively from essentially being a 33 to 35 minute per game guy these last few years to now averaging like under 25 minutes per game this season.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, injuries have been the main thing, holding him back. It's why the box didn't want to commit a lot of time or money to him. And ultimately, um, ultimately let him go. So yeah, scaling back his minutes and then, you know, playing him more when you suffer a backcourt injury, that's the exact kind of role. I think Brogdon should be in basically just like a
1: super six man. This brings us to the Milwaukee bucks. Number two in the Eastern conference. I feel like we went through like a mini panic on the bucks a couple of weeks ago. You know, Giannis is missing time. We, We had no timetable on Middleton and you know, magically both these guys are back in the lineup. They're, they're being very, very cautious with Chris Middleton, which has been uh, still somewhat concerning. I mean, usually you see guys, you know, play limited minutes for two, maybe three games, and then they're they're back up toward their normal workload. But he's been back now for five games. He's come off the bench in all five games, and the minutes have broken down to 15, 15, 15, 18, 20. Uh, you know, handful of games left before the All-Star break. I think it's pretty possible that we don't see Middleton playing 30, 35 minutes a game. Until after the All Star break, which is not the biggest surprise that they've been fine. Uh, but he has made a difference since coming back. Bucks are playing well. They're ninth and oh, and ninth in defense over the last 10 games. Drew Holiday is having a great first half. I think he's going to end up sneaking into the All Star game in the Eastern Conference, maybe grabbing that final spot. Um, last thing, and, and we'll talk more about this on the XM show tonight, Alex. I can assure you of that. I, I don't love the Jay Crowder rumors. And look, if you're only giving up Jordan Nawara, George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and some second rounders. Like, I, I guess I'm okay with that. I, I just think Jay Crowder has become a wildly overrated asset. I I agree with you. I feel
2: the same way about it as I do. I, I kind of have similar feelings as like the Rui Hachimura trade. Where I'm like, I think Crowder's a bit overrated, like Hachimura. But the Bucks just aren't using the guy's... Like they clearly just George Hill is just not. He's just not part of the rotation anymore. Nawara, I, I don't know any Bucks fans that are like, oh, I'm so mad Like, oh, Nawara could be like a real rotation guy for us in the playoffs. Yeah. Um So you're giving up essentially nothing for for Crowder, who has plenty of playoff experience under his belt. Um but the three-point shooting is pretty shaky with Crowder. You're just hoping to get some more size and defense. And um I think I think you just need I think you need more looks for when you play Giannis at center. If you're going to play Giannis at center, you just need some more reliable size. Like you need some more forwards that you can trust. And if, if that's the thought, then I understand getting crowdier. but I think he, I agree with you. He's become a little bit overrated.
1: Yeah, I, I mean um, the idea of Jay Crowder, I think, makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I just don't know if he is still that guy. I, I I like it's crazy to me that there's a bidding war and it feels like his price has somehow increased despite the fact that he just no showed and hasn't played basketball in, in months. Like, do we have any idea if he's in shape? Like is, is he ready to step in? Like I, I feel like he's always been really, really hit or miss when it comes to like wide open corner threes. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't see him being the PJ Tucker for this Bucks team. I, I don't think he has that in him personally, but we'll see.
2: We will definitely see. Um, Okay. The Philadelphia 76ers who have creeped up to the third seed uh, in the East. They're 32 and 17 over the past two weeks. They are four and one. Uh, You know, people continue to debate to debate about like, what should James Harden be an all-star? I think those conversations are insane like he's the number two option on a top three C's putting up 20 and 10. Um, you know, we had that big Embiid versus uh Jokic game the other night and looked amazing. I don't know if that's going to swing MVP votes, but um, if the Philadelphia 76ers continue to chug along, obviously he's going to get more looks in that category. Uh, and then other than that, you know, Maxi's had like kind of two questionable games in a row, but they're, they're a team where their rotation is pretty set. Tobias Harris just keeps doing his thing. And, um, yeah, man, Embigas just looks straight-up dominant lately. It's it's pretty ridiculous.
1: So the Sixers have four guys in the top 65 in 8-cat per game. And Tobias Harris is one of them. James Harden is one of them. And, Joe, of course, Joel Embiid is one of them. Tyrese Maxey is not the fourth. De'Anthony Melton is the 62nd-ranked 8-cat player. <laughs> Thanks to 1.9 steals per game, I had no idea. I knew, I knew he was
2: higher than people thought. But I didn't know he was all the way up
1: there. All right, the Brooklyn Nets four and six without Kevin Durant. Uh, honestly, it, it kind of felt like it might have been worse. I, I think they should be fairly happy to be four and six. You know, Kyrie missed some time in there as well. They have a positive net rating without Kevin Durant. Uh, Seth Curry has given them a, a minor boost when he's been in there. Uh, ben Simmons has not at all. He's injured now. He's missed three straight uh, in his last 12 games in which he's actually played. He is averaging 5.4 points, six rebounds, 7.3, assists, 7.6 deals. Okay. You know, I, at some point you got to score a little bit, only shooting 46% from the field, which is pretty disastrous for a guy who should only be taking high percentage looks. And he's down to 44% at the line on the year, uh, kind of developing into a Lonzo Ball situation where he just... It, it seems like it should be more damaging than he is, than it is, but he just doesn't ever get to the line. So it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the, the counting stats are enough for Simmons to be inside the top 90 in, in eight cat, but I, it, I don't know. I, 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 didn't end up rostering him anywhere. I kind of swore him off to, to start the season and he's still rosterable. He's still startable in a lot of leagues. I, I'm just glad I don't have him. It, it would, it would feel kind of dirty.
2: <laughs> I agree. uh i agree yeah this team like it's you know irving and claxton are really the guys right now carrying this team which is um you know a bit on not unexpected but claxton's playing really well like he set career highs in scoring i think three games in a row um has looked really good lately just dominant on the boards they're just going going to him a lot more obviously like blocks wise he's been fantastic i mean he's up to 43rd in um a cat per game value which is obviously really impressive. And I don't remember exactly where he was going ADP wise, but it was not high at all.
1: Dude, Um, I I actually looked this up last night because we were talking about him on XM. And I I think I said something like, yeah, if you took him in like the 70 to to 80 range, man, that really paid off. He was going way later than that. I completely misspoke. He was going like on average. And I I think it was uh, like across ESPN and Yahoo. He was at like pick 118. I mean, he has been he's one of the, the biggest risers in terms of ADP versus actual value. I and mean, we're talking a difference of like a hundred spots in some leagues.
2: Yeah. I guess the concern was more people thought that Ben Simmons could have spent time at center. Um, but you know, in our, in our outlook that we wrote, we said he's a viable top 100 target. All right. Don't blame us. Um, yeah. That, that must've been yeah. seen.
3: Must. Have. <laughs> Let's go get the Cavaliers. Uh, well, no, hold on. Hold on. First of all, okay,
1: okay. a couple more notes while we're on the Nets. Uh, I'm glad you brought, brought up Claxton. I wanted to say that. Um, there's been real Nick Claxton all-star buzz. I, I saw a tweet. I just searched Nick Claxton oh, yeah. trying to find said tweet and found a different one. And some like Nets writer is asking, what's most likely to happen this season? Nick Claxton wins most approved player. He makes the all-star game. He makes the all-defense team or he's defensive player of the year. I mean, there's real buzz. I don't think any of those things are going to happen, but he's like the fact that he's even remotely in the conversation for any of that is, is wild.
2: I agree. He could, he could make the all defense team. One of them conceivable, but I don't think any of them are going to happen. To be honest with you. I mean, the nets are just not, they're okay. I mean, they're the eighth ranked defense, right? If they were like top three, then you would almost, you would really be pressuring uh, to put them in, but. Yeah, I just, I'm not, it, this is a situation to me where we can say that a guy is playing really well and above expectations without being like, you know what? He should be an all-star. It's like, I don't get like, I'm, I'm not really for the Aaron Gordon, all-star buzz. I'm like, yeah. it, he's, he's just a, he's a role player. He's, he's a good role player. Why is that guy supposed to
1: be in the all-star game? I, I got uh, some bad news on Claxton defensive player of the year. He's plus three fifty behind only Jaron Jackson.
5: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Uh, I yeah. mean, I, a lot Not of the Lopez... 25 to 1. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the Lopez talk has fallen off. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's I don't know if that's quite deserved. I I guess you have to ask the question like if if you swap the two guys who would be having the more impactful defensive season, it'd probably be Claxton.
1: Um, but I think Jaron Jackson's got that thing locked up. Okay. the The other thing I wanted to bring up with the Nets one, uh, I you and Mike Breen are the only two people I've ever heard call Kyrie Irving. Uh, it's it's, <laughs> it's like calling LeBron James or calling Kawhi yeah. Leonard. Uh, it's just it's like kind of jarring to hear. And two, uh, is, is Ben Simmons still trying to go by Ben 10? Or did, did that just completely die?
2: Um, I think that's dead.
1: Okay. It's assuming. not even listed on basketball reference. However, uh, his oh. nicknames are as follows. The Wizard of Oz, Big Ben, The Yank, Benny, Peacemaker, Fresh Prince, <laughs> Young Socialite, and <laughs> <laughs> save the best one for last. Simo, the Savage.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, so if, if Ben 10 can't make that list, I, I think it's officially dead. Let's, let's move yeah. on. Okay.
2: hundred um, percent. The Cleveland Cavaliers three and five sliding a little bit over the past two weeks. Uh, last night, they three point loss to the Miami heat and a 197 rock fight. Um, mm. You know, Cleveland, I think they got Donovan Mitchell back, right? He's been dealing with that groin injury, so he's only played in like three of the past nine games, I believe. Um, Garland continues to book up strong performances, although he struggled a bit against Miami. Mobley has come on very strong lately. I think that's the most encouraging thing uh, about this team right now. He started off a little disappointing, but has picked it up lately. I mean, over the past. If you get, you get extended pretty far out. I mean, you go over the past 14 games, he's averaging 18 and nine, two and a half assists, 1.7 blocks and shooting 57% from the field. My concern continues to be that he can't really make his free throws that well. You know, he's 65%. He doesn't get there that often, 3.6 times a game. And he's just, I, the three point shooting is so bad that I, I don't think he's ever going to get there. When you combine that with how baggy is from the free throw line, but clearly they're surviving. They they have been able to do the twin towers thing and it's worked fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just picking nits at this point.
1: Yeah, the the three point shooting. You know, tr- sometimes like we've seen players who will play their first four, five, six years and then eventually develop that. It can come and go with someone like Anthony Davis. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like in terms of more modern big men, you typically either have it or you don't coming right in because guys are being developed earlier and you know, you're know you not spending high school and college, just posting up on the block and never being on the perimeter. Like you know, guys like that, it's it could be a weapon earlier in your career. So it's not like it's something that you necessarily have to wait until you're in the NBA to develop. So yeah, I mean the, the fact that he's on pace to take more threes than last season, I, I guess is a good sign. Like at least you have to try to be a threat, but he's at 20% from beyond the arc, which is horrific. And then, like you said, I mean, like he, he, like him being a, a sub 70% free throw shooter doesn't really match up with the rest of his game. Like he, the shot looks pretty good. He's, he's, you know, really smooth as an athlete. He's not, um, you know, he's not like overweight, not lumbering, not one of those guys who has like this herky jerky big man jump shot. So I, I would hope that the free throw percentage can improve. But yeah, the chances that he's ever like a plus at the free throw line seem very slim.
2: Yeah. Cause we, we talk about Brooke Lopez, right? Like I think he's a great example of a guy who was not a three point shooter at all and right. then made that leap. Like he went from shooting 0.23s per game in 2015-16 to taking five per game the next season. But the thing is, those seasons where he was not shooting a single three, he was still shooting 77% from the free throw line. So you had that indicator. The one positive for Mobley, yes, he's not a good free throw shooter. He is 39% on long mid-rangers this year, 14 of 36. And last year he was also 38, 39%. So there's something there that indicates like, yeah, the shot isn't broken. Like you mentioned, the form looks fine. It's not broken. Um, Like when I watched DeAndre Ayton shoot threes, that form is horribly broken. So to me, that's, that's not going to happen. But I will say to close out on something like actual about the Cavaliers they are still my favorite dark horse to win the East or to win the finals. I I think that's just a really good value bet. If you're trying to bet on a dark horse coming out of the East, I still think it's them.
1: Um, That's I. They're a great team, man. Just great team. The Miami heat quietly, uh, ascending in the Eastern conference. They are seven and three in their last 10, uh, still kind of hanging around that middle area. But if you recall, like the first month and a half, two months of the season, Miami was pretty firmly in that like 10 to 14 range. And they've clearly emerged from that. Uh, they're 29 and 23 currently in sixth, uh, game and a half behind the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, depending on how much time, Kevin Durant ends up missing, you know, the nets could end up falling below Miami. Uh, But to me, it does seem like we now have a, a pretty definitive top eight in the East. And and you could segment from there, uh, those eight teams being Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn, Cleveland, Miami, New York, and Atlanta. After that, you get into teams where you start questioning whether or not they should even want to win, which is not a great sign. And that's why they're, they're not in that category. It's like, like Washington, Indiana, Chicago, Toronto, to me is then its own tier, and then you get down to, you know, the, the the real sickos, Orlando, Charlotte, and Detroit.
2: I agree. Yeah. The, the, here sort of, they're muddled in that tier. Um, you know, I, I, they're, and they're doing it all through defense. Like they just, they're not a good scoring team. Like, even though you mentioned how well they're doing recently, it's just, it's still all defense. Like they have the second best defense over the past two weeks, but the 26th rank offense. And that's pretty consistent with what they've been on the whole year. And they've been very, they've been healthier lately. And the thing is, aside from, you know, like out and Butler are the, they're the sort of rocks for this team. There's a lot going on after those guys in the roster. That's just like Tyler hero, not shooting very well at all. Like very quietly over the past 12 games, shooting 40% from the field and 31% from three um, Kyle Lowry past 12 games, 37% from the field, 26% from three. He looks pretty done. Um, the, and I think the reason, I mean, one positive they're getting is that Victor Oladipo is like a legitimate rotation player for them. It's it's he's playing real minutes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the shot still isn't great. That's not really a strong suit right now, but the assist he's passing really well. His defense is great it's a bit of a mixed bag for Miami and I wouldn't be surprised if they did something at the deadline, but I don't, I don't really know what there is for them to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're one of the teams that's rumored to be in on Crowder. Uh, they would probably have to piece together a package similar to what we talked about with the bucks, you know, where you're, you're just kind of looking at a few random young ish bench pieces, some you know veteran contract or two, and then just a pile of, second rounders or heavily protected first rounders. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. It's like Crowder feels like a kind of a natural fit in Miami. Um, they're, they're definitely the type of team that, uh, w- would kind of want to get him back in a heat uniform where of course he, he spent that 2019, 20 season when they went to the finals. So, uh, I could see it, but again, I, I obviously not that high on Crowder. And you mentioned hero. I'll close on this. He, you know, he's, he has fallen into a rut, got off to that super hot start. You know, for a while, it was like he was the only healthy guy. was kind of their number one option. And now his numbers are almost identical across the board to last season, which is totally fine. I mean, sixth man of the year, still very good, um, but hasn't exactly taken much of, a le- much of a leap statistically. Let's move on to the New York Knicks,
2: who last night, overtime loss to the L.A. Lakers. Um, over the past two weeks, the Knicks are 2-5, and five. You know, a Tom Thibodeau defense a uh, Tom Thibodeau team that's struggling on defense, that is not good because you may as well just bring in a coach that's good at offense. Um, and they are just there's st- I just I feel so lukewarm about them. Yeah, you know, they've been missing Mitchell Robinson, who's not expected to be back, I think, until what, mid to late
1: late February, maybe even yeah, earlier. We're, we're talking like a point. week or two after the break at at best.
2: You know, and they're piecing it together with Jericho Sims and and Hartenstein. Um like Barrett, Brunson, and Randall have just continued to be good, but the rotation falls off after that, and it's weird because quickly Grimes, like those are defensive players, and they just the defense isn't getting it done. This just this is a team that they're just they're just going nowhere, man. They're on that they're on the treadmill of mediocrity.
1: Twenty eighth in defense in the six games without Mitchell Robinson. Uh, lost, of course, last night in overtime to the Lakers, a game that they should have lost in regulation if the Lakers were a normal team that could just play like competent basketball and, you know, (laughs) Rui Hachimura is not just like throwing the ball out of bounds late in the game. Uh, That is neither here nor there. But, uh, you know, one of the rumors with the deadline coming up is that, you know, New York would be prepared to offer three first-round picks for OG and Anobi. Does that make you better? Yes. Does that improve your defense? Definitely. Is that ultimately what pushes you from... You know, team that maybe wins a game or two in the first round against the Bucks or the Celtics to actually winning that series and, you know, being a, a dark horse title contender to me, no, not at all. I, I, I still, I, I don't think that's the, the move that really puts you over the top by any means.
2: I mean, they're in a situation, like a lot of the teams in this tier where it's like, I feel like you got to pick a direction and I don't, Cause you're not going to get better naturally. Like, yeah, maybe like Barrett, RJ Barrett could improve, but I don't really think Jalen Brunson is getting <laughs> that Barrett much better. RJ Barrett will not get better. It's
1: possible,
2: but like, <laughs> it does, it's starting he, to feel that way. Is, I mean, are any of these guys going to get better? Brunson, Barrett, Randall, are any of these guys going to get better to the point where it changes the no. direction of your franchise? Right. So I think you have to, and just push your chips and Matt. sure. Trade three first rounders for OG and Like, you gotta just do something. That's my take,
1: okay? Okay, and look in defense of the, the Knicks, I, I immediately thought, Wow, three first round picks that seems like a lot. They do have a bunch of future firsts coming. Um, they they kind of convey at different times based on protections, but uh, in theory, they have the Mavericks, the Pistons, and the Wizards first round picks. This season, due to various draft trades, as you recall, you know they were the team that traded out to allow Detroit to get Jalen Duran uh, in this draft. Uh, Dallas's pick is top ten protected. That'll likely convey. Uh, Detroit's pick, top eighteen protected, that will not convey. And Washington, top fourteen, so lottery protected. That could go either way. Most likely, I would imagine Washington ends up as a lottery team and, and retains that pick. But uh, either way, I mean, you, you could basically transfer the rights to those picks in, in any deal. So you're not necessarily mortgaging your entire future. You know, if you're giving up these picks that are relatively heavily protected that, I don't really mind that much because Ananobi is that good. Um, but it it doesn't, it doesn't solve the fact that you don't have anything close to a true number one guy.
2: That was, that was a point I was just going to bring up. Like who is your number one guy at that point? Like the hope is that Barrett eventually takes the reins and becomes that number one guy. I don't know. It feels like Randall at so many points throughout the game. Obviously Brunson puts his impact on the game a lot too. And he's a point guard. Um, but without that true number one guy, you're going to have a super high floor. You're gonna be able to build a really high floor. If those are your four guys, that's, you know, you're, you're never going to be below 500. That would be shocking. Um, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, what are you doing otherwise?
1: There's, there's just not like, there's not much precedent for someone like Barrett making a massive leap and like the counting stats are fine. If this was if this was like 2002, he would be a perennial all-star and like one of the faces of the league, but it's not. And he's still shooting 34% from three. That's worse than last year. 43% from the field. He's a a very bad free throw shooter for a guard as well. Uh, doesn't, you know, he's a fine defender doesn't really translate to stats. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's a negative warp guy this year too, which is kind of wild when you dig into the numbers. I mean, he's like, you know, minus nine uh, differential between offensive and defensive rating, but anyway, we're going way too long on the Knicks. Let's get to <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks and, and equally depressing mid-level franchise. Uh, Trey Young will be back in action, I believe tonight. Uh, he had missed a couple of games. Uh, yeah. They're at the Phoenix Suns. So he'll play in that game. Uh, DeJounte Murray been playing well without Trey Young had 40 the other night in a loss. Uh, it was interesting. I was looking at his his usage rate compared to last year is only down like uh, around like one and a half, two percentage points. So not a huge difference, but his assist rate is down by 16 percentage points and he's scoring almost exactly the same number of points per game. I, I I remember doing, you know, doing projections and thinking that maybe the assists would end up being more sustainable because, you know, we're we're hearing about Trey young spending time off the ball and being a spot up shooter and all that. Uh, And it turns out, you know, that the scoring has been fine for DeJounte, but the assists as well as the steals are down. Yeah. For DeJounte. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think,
2: I mean, this is just such a confusing team, man. I, I don't, I don't like the, the, In so many ways the, the trade for DeJounte Murray and the trade for Towns or excuse me, the trade for Gobert, to pair him with Towns are very similar. It's like, you got two guys, you're making this big splashy trade for guys who played the same position. And I'm. A, like, I thought the Hawks at least got good vet, or traded. I thought that trade was fine. They didn't give up so much that I like panic like the, like the Timberwolves gave up. I just don't know what you do if you're Atlanta. I mean, the thing is at this point. I mean, they, well, first of all, they changed their GM right. Landry Fields is that is that their GM
1: now? Um. Uh. Could be. Yeah. He, he's involved. Um, I, that's <laughs> a very good question. Uh. Yes, he is the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. Landry Fields. Yeah.
2: So they switched GMs after this trade, which is interesting. Strange. And I, so here, I feel about the Hawks a little bit the same way I feel about the Knicks. You have, except that the Hawks actually have assets. You, like, if you're the Hawks, you have, you have on Yucca, a Kongwu, and you have Clint Capella. You gotta fit, like, I think you just gotta tra- trade one of those guys. I know you don't wanna trade a Kongwu. And maybe, but the thing is, maybe you can trade a Kong Wu and Deandre Hunter to a bad team for like something good and just go for it. I, Colin, you know, John Collins is always on the trading block. I don't know what you do there. I mean, it's possible big moves are coming and that's why they, they changed their GM that the, the Hawks have legitimate assets. I think they just got yeah. they just got to do something with it. Cause it's not working right
1: now. And they seem like stubborn to admit that it's not working. I, I think that's a, a big issue. For this team is like they they keep saying, like, wait, look, we were in the East Finals not that long ago. All right. We'll we'll get it figured out. And it's like, all right, it's been two years and you've just basically been a 500 franchise for that entire time. So yeah, I, I think John Collins is gonna get moved. I, I don't it depends, you know, what, what you're getting back in that deal, but could be an opportunity for a Kung Wu to finally see more minutes. I, I think a Kung Wu would have a ton of value if they would put him on the table. Um, although he is getting to the end of the rookie deal, so then you, you have to start looking ahead uh, as as far as that second contract goes, but yeah, it, it, it's I mean, Click Capella's is playing really well, so it's it's it makes sense that Okungwu is is still in this reduced role. But I mean, I, I would love for him to, like you said, go to a bad team and play thirty minutes a night. I think he would be a massive stud in fantasy. Um, all right, who do who do we have next year? Uh,
2: who do we have next? The Washington Wizards, oh. very quietly, have not lost a game since trading Rui Hachimura. Uh, they are six and zero over the past two weeks. Obviously, playing well on both offense and defense, and through a lot of that time, uh, did not have Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis has missed four, excuse me, three of the past four games. He just returned and had a huge game against the Spurs. Um, a Great game, in Daniel, a game in which game in which uh, Daniel Cafford missed. Uh, the Spurs, I mean the the Wizards, are just getting it done, man. I I don't really, I don't know. I don't know if it's as simple. I mean, I will say that Rui Hachimura's point differential with the wizards was horrible. Like he was playing losing basketball for them. Uh, and they've been playing a lot more Danny Avia, and Avdia's looked great. And he's a great defender. He's putting it together offensively. Um, yeah. Kendrick Nunn's playing more for them. Like I thought Delon Wright's great on defense too. Like they, they've kind of sneakily pivoted. They're like, well, we have Porzingis, Kuzma and Beal. To handle the offense. We don't need any more offensive players. We don't need Rui Hachimura. What we need is like, we need to put more good defenders in the lineup. And they're doing that with Gafford Gafford and Avdia and DeLon Wright. And it's working.
1: Yeah, all good stuff there. Uh, I, I hated the Hachimura deal for the Lakers. I mean, they didn't give up that much, so it's not that big of a deal. But I think anyone expecting him to make a real impact for this team just hasn't watched Rui Hachimura at all. Um, yeah, I know there's been concerns about his effort in Washington. Always want to trade for guys who you don't know if they're going to play hard. Uh, you yeah, the advanced <laughs> numbers with him are terrible. He's bad on defense. Like I, I just, it's it's such a classic Lakers trade. It's like, you, you just know that they didn't do their homework on that whatsoever. And I, I fully expect Kendrick Nunn to, to now blossom in Washington. <laughs> um, all right, what do we, I think we got like six more teams here. The Indiana Pacers, like we said at the top should get Halliburton back tomorrow and Lord, do they need him back, Alex? They have gone one in nine. In their last 10 games, they have plummeted down the standings. They have the second worst net rating in the NBA during those 10 games. They're turning the ball over at an alarming rate. Only the Houston Rockets are turning it over more than the Indiana Pacers. Uh, you know, TJ McCollum's doing what he can do, but man, they really, really miss Tyrese Halliburton. And we we expected this to be the case, but it's been more dramatic even than I thought.
2: Yeah. I mean, last time I checked, he was leading the NBA in touches. And when you lose that guy, it's like, what? Like what the hell do we do out there? Who do we give the yeah. ball to? That's what it looks like uh, for real. And like at least they have McConnell. Like McConnell will gladly take all the touches and just like play floor general and quarterback the offense and, and get everybody involved. But it's resulted in some bad, you know, struggling games for for Buddy Heald and um, a lot of other guys on the roster. Nemhard hasn't quite done what I think a lot of us hoped he would do in the absence of Halliburton, uh, which is obviously coming to an end. Chris Duarte playing a little bit better, which is nice to see because he was looking pretty bad there for a while. Um, But yeah, they're going to, they're going to be good again once Halliburton's back. I'm not, I'm not convinced. I mean, they were just, they just re-signed Miles Turner. I'm not convinced they'll trade Buddy Heald because he's, he's not, on an expiring contract. It expires next year. And I think this team wants to be competitive.
1: Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say on that, it's, it's funny you bring up Duarte. You and I were talking about him last week and like, you know, how, how like coveted of an asset he was for a good two, three weeks at the beginning of last season. And we, we went back and like, if you search Chris Duarte, like from October, 2021, or I guess, yeah, 2021 um, or 22, I don't know. I got my year, whatever, whatever his rookie year was, there were so many pieces of like New York Knicks completely botched draft didn't end up with Chris Duarte. <laughs> it's hard. Like, he's he's had a fall from grace. I mean, for, for a while there, it looked like he was going to be the breakout star.
2: No, I don't quite know what happened. He just doesn't. When I watch him play, it's been a little bit different lately because I think they've been telling him like, "You got to do something for us now." Because Halliburton's not here, he just yeah. wasn't very aggressive. Just doesn't doesn't f- like to shoot, um, like Big even mildly contested jumpers. Um, just he's a little too conservative. I think that's the main problem. Mm-hmm. Let's go with the Chicago Bulls, uh, three and three over the past two weeks, but with the best defense in the NBA over this stretch. Um, it's not, I'm pretty confused. Um, gonna have to call the league office and ask about whether those numbers are correct. Uh, we, weirdly, they do have a better defense than offense this year, don't really know how that makes sense. Um, this is pretty much business as usual for them. You know, Caruso and Patrick Williams again are, are the guys, those are the guys making this defense work, and I this team is just again they're in that tier of like the 500 teams with like a few good guys who probably all ideally would be the third options on their teams, but sometimes they're the first option. And um, I just don't think they have a, like they have an identity in the sense that DeRozan, DeRozan feels like their best player, but how far are you going to go? If that's the case, I, you know, you got to make a decision on his contract, on Vucevic's contract. You just signed Levine. Um, they got to, again, they're another team. Like you got to pick a direction here. And I have no idea what they're going to do. It feels like they'll try to continue to win because they're a little pot committed, but who knows?
1: That provides a nice segue into a team that has major decisions to make by next Thursday, the Toronto Raptors, a little bit of a rudderless ship right now. It feels like uh, I think Gary Trent is going to be gone at the deadline it uh, sounds like Nick nurse could be gone at the end of the season. Uh, you know, there's a, an article from Shams earlier this week, uh, you know, kind of questioning Nick nurse a, a little bit. Um, Fred Van Vliet could be on the table. Uh, really anybody it feels like except for Scotty Barnes and to a lesser degree, Siakam. Uh, we talked about the possibility that OG could be moved. It, it it feels like all the messaging from Toronto is that they want, they want to give this team every opportunity to prove itself before the trade deadline, but at at no point have they put any sort of run together. I mean, they've, they've won three consecutive games one time this season. And other than that, they, they have a couple back-to-back wins, but like they've, they have not had a single, even two week stretch where they've looked like anything close to an elite team.
2: I, they've, they have lost a decent amount of close games. I will say, I think, I think they are better than their record, but even if that's the case, they're pretty much a 500 team. And, um, you know, the OG Anganobi trades are interesting. I mean, you mentioned it seems like Siakam's off the table. Siakam is a lot older than people realize. I think if you're going to tank, if Siakam's 28. Like, you're going to be good again by the time he's, what, 31, 32? I don't know. Um, but you mentioned Anganobi. I, I floated out a fake trade on Twitter that actually got a weird, uh, like, way more traction than I thought it would about um, wondering if the Blazers should trade Anthony Simons for OG Ananobi. Um, which I think they should if that deal was on the table. Most people thought the Blazers win that trade, but it was pretty much a 50-50 split between Blazers win and either Raptors win or it's a fair trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are some deals out there that maybe you could do for Anganobi. But at that point, I mean, again, are you just blowing it up? And if you're blowing it up, you got to get rid of Van Vliet and Scotty Barnes. And just, or excuse me, Van Vliet and Siakam and just build around Scotty Barnes and whoever you get back in these trades.
1: So, I, I as a voter in that poll, I'm with you. A I voter? voted for Blazers win the deal and that got 53% of the vote. Uh, I, I just think, you know, I we, we've kind of seen the Lillard Simons, Lillard McCollum experiment before. And I like Avery Simons. I, I just don't think that he, he's like the, the wrong guy to have next to Damian Lillard. I think we have like a decade's worth of. Yep proof that you can't have another small offensive focus guard next to Dame and expect to win more than like 45 games. So, you know, by virtue of that, like, I, like, I, I think Simon's there are nights where he's more valuable than Ananobi, but for the Blazers, it's more just like, you, you need to get some sort of big defensive minded wing in there. And Ananobi's at the top of the list. So it, 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 like, it's not really a knock on Simon's it's more that Ananobi is just kind of exactly the type of player that they need. Right. Okay, let's
2: go with the Magic. Um, I don't. I mean, there's not like a ton here just because Orlando, like everybody continues to like what Orlando's doing. They're a really fun team to watch. Cole Anthony's doing uh, windmill dunks off of one foot. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're playing. I mean, they're four and three lately uh, over the past two weeks, which is nice. Um, Markel Fultz continues to play pretty well. Obviously, Banqueiro and Franz Wagner continue to essentially lead the team. Wendell Carter playing well. Um, Jonathan Isaac, he's back Oh, and resting, uh, resting tonight. Uh, but he's looked all right in his, uh, I, I watched his debut against Boston. I thought he looked very good. He looked a little jumpy, which of course we are good. after. He looked shockingly good, a little jumpy, but um, hoovered in some rebounds that were really nice, made some good defensive plays. Um, Mo Wagner continues to come in and occasionally give you like a, like a, just a jam packed 26 minutes. So, um, this is another team too, where I expect them to make some moves at the deadline, but a lot of those guys really aren't playing real minutes for them. Like you know, Gary Harris and Terrence Ross and maybe Mo Bamba. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move him. Um, but when I look at this roster, the most concerning thing to me continues to be Jalen Suggs. Who just he the man just cannot figure it out. Like I I don't know what it is. Um, past twelve games, thirty eight percent from the field, twenty five percent from three. The assist to turnover ratio continue or has been pretty nice lately. But it's like at some like who cares at that point. Um, he's got to figure
1: it out, man. He does. Uh, I I don't know that it's going to happen. Um, we'll see. I I know you know someone is. I was mentioning this to, to Brandon Kravitz when we had him on the pod a month or so ago. That I, I saw someone use the the K word when it came to J- Jalen Suggs, Chris Dunn, and it's, oh. it's hard to refute that. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad, man. I mean, since he came back from that latest, I think it was an ankle injury, he's played 13 games. He's only he's only playing 15 minutes a game, which is concerning right. in its own right, uh, given where the Magic are. I mean, it's it's not like you're 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 playing him low minutes because you're trying to win games. Like the fact that he can't even you know make a run at the starting lineup is, is concerning, but five and a half points a game, 37% from the field, 23% from three. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bad. I mean, I, I guess you could project out and say like the, the steals production would be okay if he was playing 35 minutes, but that's about it. I mean, he has not really demonstrated anything. And I, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just mostly because I was just so high on him and I didn't want to be wrong uh, coming out of the draft, but this is, this is alarming. I mean, I, I talked about you know there not being a big track record for guys making the leap. In RJ Barrett's case, there's there's even less of a track record of guys being this bad and this injured for two years, and then suddenly figuring it out in year three. Yeah, and like there's so many guards in front of him, he's just not given the kind of. Yeah,
2: there are some other tanking teams that would let him loose a little bit more, but the the Magic just don't. They don't feel a need to, I guess.
1: All right, we got two more, the Hornets. Uh, right now they are the, are they the worst or the second worst team? Who? What, what team am I missing here? Second oh, they're worst. Detroit. Of course they're the second worst team. They are 15 and 37. They're only 21 games out of first place. Uh, gave the bucks a, a little bit of a run for their money last night. I thought they put up about as good of a fight as they possibly could have. Milwaukee ended up winning that game. 124 to 115, but took a big game from Giannis. Uh, you know, holiday had to play big minutes, uh, LaMelo 27 point triple double, uh, you know, kind of keeping an eye on guys like Mason Plumlee and Kelly Oubre, who uh, it sounds like are officially on the block. Not that that's a surprise, but you know they, they've at least engaged with some teams. I would expect one or possibly both of those guys to be gone. And you may have noticed, Alex, I went and scooped up Mark Williams in Stake League off waivers a couple of weeks ago. Still not doing enough where I'm comfortable starting him. Uh, the minutes have not really been there. He's very much foul prone. He had four fouls in like 15 minutes last night that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Um, The blocks have have very much come and gone. It's not a a Walker Kessler situation, but with that said, I I do anticipate there being at least a couple of weeks down the stretch where I'm I'm okay starting Mark Williams, especially if they do end up moving Mason Plumley.
2: Yeah, if they move Plumley, I assume Mark Williams is going to be like a must roster 12 team guy. Maybe Nick Richards gets back into the rotation. Um, There's probably a world where... Mark Williams ends up playing like 25 minutes a game and Richards ends up playing 20 minutes a game. And neither of them are really that relevant fantasy and everyone's still frustrated. Um, But I'd like to imagine they would give Mark Williams a little more time on the court, but yeah, this team feels like we're just all waiting for the trade deadline to see what happens. Um, You know, PJ Washington continues to be a little disappointing. Rozier pops off here and there. Hayward. Hayward looks pretty good when he's out there. I will say that. Um, Yeah but obviously he's hurt all the time. Okay. Uh, let's go to the final team here. Shannon's Detroit Pistons. Um, You know, only the fourth worst team over the past two weeks in point differential uh, got okay. their game. They're, they're stuck right now in, um, in Dallas. I, uh, I don't really know, man, what the, I mean, they changed their starting lineup. So things are getting serious. Uh, bringing Killian Hayes off the bench. Going a little Jagan Ivy point guard, Sadiq is back in there. Uh Sadiq Bay starting to, he's starting to have some bigger games lately. Uh if you're like me and you're like a Sadiq Bay optimist, this has been uh this has been a very this has been much needed stretch yeah. uh for us. It's been a fun month. Been a great month. Um I I still like what I see out of Ivy. It's just he's not quite there yet, but I actually, if you're thinking. You know, if you're someone who has him in a dynasty format or a keeper format, I think there are just a lot of positive signals for him. He's just in an environment right now that makes it really hard on him, but he gets to the free throw line a ton. He's an active passer, um, stays aggressive, good athlete. So for the rest of this season, I don't think anything crazy is happening with his stats unless they trade Bojan. I think if they trade Bojan, Ivy's gonna he's gonna pop off. But um, I'd still be really encouraged if I had him in a keeper league.
1: Yeah. I, I love what I see from Ivy. Like I test wise, he definitely passes with flying colors. He looks better than I thought he would. He looks more confident. Uh, you know, he, he's like still not, he's not really having like the big games that you'd like to see. You know, you think about what guys like Anthony Edwards and Jalen green were doing, like at this point in their rookie seasons, they would start having those like, whoa, Jalen green put up 38 with seven threes last night type of games. And, you know, maybe that's still coming for Ivy and maybe he's just not that type of guy. Um, You know, he did score 30 against Utah just before Christmas, but other than that, it's just been very consistent, like 16, eight and three type of games, which is still pretty good. I mean, his last 13, he's putting up 15, five and four Uh, field goal percentage has been respectable. 42%, still struggling from three and for a guard, very, very bad free throw shooter, which is concerning. I mean, he's hanging around 70%. Uh, He was a bad free throw shooter. At Purdue as well. So I I think he's one of those guys that like for fantasy, it's going to look like he had kind of a disastrous rookie year, but I don't really think that's the case. I mean, this Pistons team has been terrible. They've had guys in and out. Obviously it's just an inept roster, you know, losing Cade Cunningham just completely changes the script on the entire season. So I think it's going to be easy to look back and say, yeah, this was kind of a failed rookie year for Ivy, but um, he's been much better in real life than in fantasy.
2: Yeah. It's good that you bring up the free throw percentage. Cause like I mentioned, he gets there a decent amount, but the percentage is bad. This is, you know, I, not to keep piling on RJ Barrett, uh, but this is a little bit of like a Barrett thing for me too. It's like, yeah, you can get there five to eight times a game, but you're shooting 70%. So is it really, is it really as much of an asset as, as we think? Um, but yeah, maybe that'll, imp- that'll improve. And he's not such a bad three point shooter that it's, um, super concerning, but yeah. You mentioned it, you know, the teams for the team is really jumbled. No, it doesn't feel like they have like a coherent game plan or anything like that. So, um, he's doing all right.
1: Yeah. It's been fine. It's been just fine. I, I think part of the thing with Ivy two is we've seen so many guys come in and just be awesome right away that right. it's, it's a little jarring when you're drafted five and you're not that, you know, it's like Donovan Mitchell as a rookie was like 21 a game, good percentages, all that. And that's just who he is going forward, you know? And like, I don't know, like it, it just, it's a little concerning, I guess, because so many guys seem to start so quickly and then just become stars and you just know it right away. And you know, with Ivy, I, like if somebody said like, Hey, is he going to be a top 30 guy in the next three years? I, I wouldn't be a hundred percent confident saying yes. I, I would say chances are the answer is probably no. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm still encouraged. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have a, a complete evaluation, on him. And that's just part of the deal. When you're playing on a team this bad, um, you know, you never really know how much to read into certain numbers. Right. All right. That'll wrap it up for the East. That's all 15 teams. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. We'll catch up on any news from the eight game slate, not nine because of the postponement in Detroit uh, thoughts and prayers going out to the Detroit Pistons uh, down in Dallas. Uh, <laughs> sounds like there, there shouldn't be any more concerns. I know the Mavs are supposed to play at home tomorrow Against New Orleans, there's already some some kind of plans in place for for that travel. So hopefully, the Thursday slate doesn't end up being affected at all. But when we're back on Thursday, we'll fill you in on Wednesday night. Uh, make sure you listen to the RotoWire XM show. That's going to be a three hour show tonight. Um, so basically, you'll, you'll have to listen to this podcast and then immediately tune in uh, to hear Alex on Sirius XM. But uh, looking forward to that, and looking forward to running through the West tomorrow.
3: mypatriotsupply.com